Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Well, today marks 12 days in the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And as talks continue, uh, and as the human tragedy continues, we have to get a a good perspective of, of where we are and, more importantly, what comes next. Of course, today, Russia issued a list of demands that Ukraine must follow for the invasion to come to an end. Uh, these were very interesting. So let's go through these and then let's look at the response in terms of what this is and what this actually means. We're also keeping our eye uh, on a Pentagon briefing that's taking place right now with John Kirby, Pentagon spokesperson. And uh, if there's any updates there, uh, we will we will go live to that uh, as it warrants. But the Kremlin spokesperson uh, today, uh, Dmitry Peskov, uh, gave the following demands for Russia to stop for the invasion to come to an end or the corrective action, whatever the Russian uh, military is calling it. So interestingly, the things that Ukraine must do, according to the Kremlin, Ukraine must cease military action. Uh, Again, a military that is clearly on the defensive and trying to protect uh, is surely not initiating military action. Ukraine must also change its constitution to enshrine neutrality, uh, including commitments never to join NATO or anything like unto it, uh, to stay independent. Uh, there's also a demand from the Kremlin that they that Ukraine acknowledge Crimea as Russian territory, and finally they have to recognize the separatist republics of Donetsk and Luhansk as independent territories. So those are the demands coming out of the Kremlin, uh, all of which are uh, pretty absurd on the surface. Uh, in a, an exclusive interview with ABC News, Ukrainian President Zelensky said Ukraine is not going to respond to these kinds of ultimatums by the Russians. The question is more difficult than simply acknowledging them. This is another ultimatum, and we are not prepared for ultimatums, but we have the possible solution, resolution for these three items, key items. What needs to be done is for President Putin to start talking, start the dialogue, instead of living in the informational bubble without oxygen. I think that's where he is. He is in this bubble. He's getting this information, and you don't know how realistic that information is that he's getting. Uh, I love that description from President Zelensky of Ukraine saying that Vladimir Putin needs to engage in dialogue instead of living in his own internal information bubble with no oxygen. And I think that's an important part of that process. And so 
Ukrainian President Zelensky continues uh, to say, no, uh, those demands are are ridiculous uh, (laughs) and nowhere near reality in terms of what has been happening uh, since Russia invaded Ukraine uh, without merit. Now, obviously, one of the things that President Zelensky has been asking for is either a no-fly zone or the ability for uh, their own air force to be able to create a no-fly zone or at least contend in the skies. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer uh, says that President Zelensky had asked NATO for aircraft uh, to fight Russians. And Senator Schumer said that following uh, the conversation they had over the weekend that he's going to push to aid Ukrainians by giving them planes sitting in European countries. Take a listen. In the conversation that we had, the thing he stressed above all was the ability to get aircraft. The good news is there are Eastern European countries that have Soviet-level aircraft that they could that could be flown by Ukrainian pilots. They are trained in this. So today I'm announcing a push for the administration to explore all feasible options to transfer these desperately needed aircraft to Ukraine. So let's go now to Secretary Antony Blinken, who told Face the Nation yesterday that the U.S. is ready to support NATO nations. This would be Poland in particular uh, to give aircraft to Ukraine. We're talking uh, with uh, our Polish friends right now about what we might be able to do to backfill uh, their needs if, in fact, they choose to provide these fighter jets to to the Ukrainians. Uh, what could we do? How can we help to make sure that uh, they get something to backfill the planes that they're handing over to, to the Ukrainians? We're in very active discussions with them about that. Look, I've been in, in, in Europe for the last couple of days working closely, as always, with our allies and partners at NATO, uh, the European Union, uh, the G7 countries, and all of us together are continuing to take steps to increase the pressure uh, on Russia through uh, additional sanctions, all of which are very actively under discussion and will be implemented in the uh, in the coming days, as well as uh, taking further steps to give uh, the Ukrainians um, what they need to defend themselves against the Russian aggression. So, such an interesting proposition that Polish planes, which are Russian MiG planes, uh, that they actually would be flown by Ukrainians against Russians uh, is such an interesting bit of fate. Uh, but it does appear like that is gaining some traction and some deeper consideration. And I believe the U.S. would be involved in that in, in making promises to Poland that they would help to backfill uh, those planes with uh, perhaps U.S.-made planes in the future. So that's an interesting thing uh, to be looking at there that the idea that Russian planes could be fighting Russian planes the next generation uh, would be very interesting to see how that plays out uh, and moves forward. Now, everyone's aware that President Zelensky continues to request that no fly zone and that it be implemented by NATO. The U.S. has been obviously reluctant to do that for a host of reasons. Uh, this morning, Secretary Blinken, in a, in a press conference in Latvia, uh, said why the U.S. won't be involved in enforcing that no-fly zone? The no-fly zone, to be very clear about what that involves, is that means that if uh, Russian planes violate the zone that's declared, we shoot them down. And that runs the, uh, the considerable risk of creating a direct conflict between uh, our countries uh, and Russia, and thus a wider war, which is in no one's interest, including in the interest of the uh, Ukrainian people. But And I want to repeat this very clearly. When it comes to any aggression 
uh, of any kind against NATO territory, by Russia or anyone else for that matter, we are absolutely committed to the defense of that territory, every square inch. So again, Secretary Blinken uh, talking about NATO territory, that uh, the U.S. is committed to defend every square inch of NATO territory. Obviously, Ukraine is not part of NATO. And so that part of the debate is going to continue on with President Zelensky of Ukraine continuing to beg for that no-fly zone uh, somehow, or at least the equipment uh, to be able to do it themselves. Uh, And so that's going to be one that we're going to watch very closely uh, as we move through the coming days. I also want to jump to one uh, side note, a significant one, uh, and that is dealing with uh, U.S. basketball player Brittany Griner, uh, a WNBA all-star, an Olympian, uh, a real force uh, in the league. And as many of the WNBA players, they go elsewhere to play during the winter uh, before the WNBA season begins. And many of those are in Europe, uh, Brittany Griner playing uh, in Russia. And uh, she was detained as she was leaving the country. She was leaving Russia uh, when they discovered what they determined. Again, this is the allegations of an illegal drug in her luggage. Uh, and so I want to go through this uh, from Secretary Blinken, obviously having an American being held by Russia in the middle of all of what's happening in that region uh, is very disturbing and, and very uh, worth uh, digging into just a little bit. And so here's Secretary Blinken explaining what he knows and where we are as it relates to Brittany Griner. Whenever an American is detained anywhere in the world, uh, we, of course, stand ready to provide every possible assistance. We have an embassy team that's working on the cases of... Uh, of other Americans uh, who are detained uh, in Russia. We're doing everything we can to see to it that their rights are upheld and respected. From my perspective, um, in times like these, it's important that we maintain uh, our uh, diplomatic contacts, uh, that we uh, maintain um, the uh, diplomatic support, uh, particularly support that we can provide to Americans who may need it. Uh, And so that's uh, that's what I'm focused on doing. So, again, not a lot of details there, but obviously uh, great concern for Brittany Griner and uh, getting her out of Russia and back to the United States of America. We'll continue to follow that one closely as well. And as we've been talking about throughout the day today, we have to, again, just pause and get perspective. Almost two million refugees pouring out of Ukraine, uh, somewhere between 1.7 million and 2 million Uh, Again, for perspective, that's like evacuating every human being from Salt Lake past Provo, everybody, in 10 days. Uh, It's a significant thing and a real challenge, but it's individuals. It's those individual lives that we really got to keep our eye on. We're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, uh, we'll talk religious liberty and the life of Senator Joe Lieberman coming up on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.